Hey folks, make sure to stay up to date on all the latest episodes by following us at Get Wrecked Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Or if you have any recommendations you'd like to hear us review on the show, you can contact us directly via email. Or, I don't know, maybe you just want to send us some feet pics. You creep, I don't know what you're into. I don't care. We'll review those too. What do you think of that, huh? In any case, all your requests, feedback, and general criticism of the straight white patriarchy can be sent to getrectpod at gmail.com. That's G-I-T-R-E-C-D-P-O-D at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Hey folks, and welcome back to another edition of Get Wrecked, the only podcast anywhere in the world where two buds take turns recommending and reviewing some of their favorite pop culture hits, hidden gems, and oddities. I'm of course your host and resident silly boy Thor, joined today as always by my friend and co-host, he's Slim Shady, yes, he's the real Slim Shady, all you other Slim Shadies, well, you're just imitating, it's Micah. Oh man. <laughs> God, I miss Eminem. I kind of miss him. You know what's really horrible? I'm not a big rap fan. Not a big fan. Sure, yeah. I mean, every now and then I hear something that I like. I'm like, okay. But consistently, one rapper that I like is Marshall Mathers. For some reason, consistently, he's got something about him. I think the world agrees. But (laughs) I kind of wish that he wasn't white. Okay. Because I feel like if I say, I don't really like rap that much. But I like but the I like, one famous like white rapper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get that. Yeah. Like, I just, I don't know. I, I mean, I would say his uh, skill and talent in making music, rapping or otherwise, yeah, I mean, transcends any transcends race yeah i mean maybe that's a white guy thing to say i don't know yeah that's, that's very white of you to say <laughs> you know what folks i need some good african american hip-hop music or it doesn't even have to be african american just non-white rap music that's what i want uh if you guys know anything that's really good not the fujis because we've already covered that but if you guys know anything really good send it my way oh there's gonna be more on your list you think i'm done giving you giving you hip-hop i just <laughs> I just try to mix stuff up and not go, oh. but I got plenty of hip hop for you. Oh, Some okay. of it, like, I feel like most of my rec- music recommendations thus far have mm-hmm. been, like the Fugees was obviously, that one came early because they're one of my favorites of all time. And I think you felt pretty positive about that. Yeah, that for was the most all right. Part. Yeah. Um, but my other two music recommendations to you were Crass and Sublime's and Robin Sublime. the Hood. So fun. Which those ones, I they genuinely, I didn't expect you to like them. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I, so. I mean, they're interesting though. But yeah, in in any case, I do have some, okay. some other hip hop that I think you will like. Okay. Yeah. Cause I'd like to expand my horizons a little bit. Cause I mean, with me, it's uh, alt rock, metal, 90s, um, bluegrass, and I don't know, anything in, in that kind of genre. Yeah, white is, guys with guitars. Yeah, that's what I love. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, my dad was a white guy with a guitar, and that's what I grew up <laughs> yes, with. So that's probably that it. Sense, yeah. That's probably it. <laughs> oh, man. 
All right, we're talking about the whitest of white guys today, Daniel Radcliffe and Paul Dano in the movie Swiss Army Man. Yeah, this was an interesting one, dude. This was an interesting one. For sure. I had not seen this. I've only seen this movie once. It's been a while since I had seen it. And it's one of those, I would say kind of similar to Whiplash in that I didn't remember a ton about it. I remembered enjoying it, and I remember it being interesting so for me it was a little bit of a refresher too yeah interesting is definitely the word for this movie i had really mixed thoughts on it oh okay yeah like i had really really mixed thoughts um initial thoughts so so when it starts out um why can i not remember not daniel radcliffe who's the other guy paul dano paul dano awesome actor he's in there will be blood He's in, have you seen Little Miss Sunshine? Of course, yeah. Oh my gosh, Little Miss Sunshine was great. I think that was probably like his breakout role. Yeah. I um, assume. And lately, the latest thing that I've seen him in was The Batman. He played the Riddler. Um, oh, that's right. He did. Yeah. <laughs> he played. He plays a really good, creepy role. He, he can do that role really, really well. Paul Dano. Okay, I'll remember that. Sorry, Paul. Uh, <laughs> I'll remember your name next time. So the movie starts out with him, and he's just on a beach, like a little island, and he's getting ready to kill himself. He's just got a rope. It's around his neck. Uh, He's getting ready to kick the bucket, and he's looking out, and he just sees this body wash up on the shore. And, of course, as soon as he sees that, he, like, slips and starts choking himself because he slips, and, like, the little icebox that he's standing on falls out from under him. Then the rope snaps and he goes over. <laughs> I just it starts out and he's like, "Please be alive! Please be alive! Please be alive!" Daniel Radcliffe is very apparently dead. <laughs> he he's bloated and yeah. distended and discolored, yeah. and <laughs> he's like slapping his face. He's trying to trying to uh, give him chest compressions, and I'm like, "Okay, all right." And then the theme of the movie hits, and Daniel Radcliffe lets out this long fart yeah basically the you know the that classic trope of when you die your body releases its gas so he starts to yeah and just just the loudest (laughs) nastiest farts and it it lingers like it's not a thing that's just like a and then and then the joke's over like it sticks around for (laughs) i think a little bit too long Oh, for sure, yeah. And when that happened, I thought, this is the movie that we're getting into. Okay. (sighs) Okay. All right. Yeah, and it happens so violently (laughs) that that it starts, like, moving his body in the water. And Paul Dano's, like, uh, Paul Dano plays a character named Hank. So Hank goes, and he's like, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. And so he ties, like, a rope around... uh, Daniel, Daniel Radcliffe's character, who we end up finding out his name was Manny. So Hank grabs Manny's lifeless corpse as it's farting, these horrible farts, and he realizes it's enough to propel him in the water. So the opening scene of the movie <laughs> is him riding on, is Hank riding on Manny's body mm-hmm. as he farts his way through the water like a jet ski. Yeah, like at the speed of a jet ski. Too. not like it's a slow moving like he is zooming 
And he freaking pulls Daniel Radcliffe's pants down just enough so that his bare ass is exposed. So that's, you know, he's just shooting him through. And he's using his tie because Daniel Radcliffe's character's in a suit. And he's using the tie around Manny to, like, pull him up and steer. And then it's like, Swiss Army Man. And it just, like, <laughs> pops up. Man, I did not want to like this movie. <laughs> like, from the get-go. Um, but I gotta be honest... As the movie went on, there were things that I found charming about it. There were things that I started chuckling about. I found myself begrudgingly chuckling. And and while I'm doing that, like one side of my brain is like, stop it, this is stupid. And the other side of my brain is like, actually, there's more here. Well, here's the thing. When it comes to comedy, the fart reigns supreme. <laughs> Nothing anyone has ever said or written or done is funnier than a fart and and this movie just dials that in to a hundred it it does it really does the the fart is king when it comes to comedy that's the real king of comedy is a well-timed toot yeah it's not it's not bernie mac it's not cedric the entertainer it's the fart. The humble fart. The humble fart. <laughs> Jeez. So, um, so really there's only two characters in this entire movie, for the most part, except for at the very end. Yeah. And it's just Hank, and then he's just carrying around this corpse. Because after, so after he jet skis off the island, it's like Swiss Army Man, and then it cuts to black, and then it cuts to Daniel Radcliffe. I'm sorry, it cuts to Paul Dano. Uh, on the beach, passed out. Yeah. He wakes up. So presumably the jet ski only lasted so long. Uh, he wiped out and then, uh, you know, probably lost consciousness in the water and got washed back to shore. Yeah. He wakes up and there's a bag of cheese puffs. You know what? Directorially or cinematography-wise, I really enjoyed that scene. Because it's, it's just a close-up of Paul Dana's face laying on the beach and you see the the wake the waves kind of come in on the beach and and again it's close up and his face is laying in the sand and you see the cheese puffs just come in with the water and stop right in front of his face and it comes right into the camera view yeah i saw that and that's when i started having conflicting feelings about the film <laughs> <laughs> at that point immediately yeah because yeah, i I saw this and I just, uh, I'm like, mm, I don't know if this is going to be for me. If this is going to be uh, fart jokes through the whole thing, I don't know if it's going to be for me. But then that fun little uh, cinematic moment happens and I thought, you know, there's some there's some creativity in the directing here. There really is. And then he kind of wakes up, finds the, finds the cheese puffs. And that scene, I agree, that scene, I specifically made note of that because presumably what you can figure out you know, because at this point, Hank, Paul Dano's character, has this grisly beard. His clothes are dirty and ripped. You can tell uh, he's essentially like kind of like a castaway situation. Like, you don't yeah. really know where he is, but you can tell, like, he's in a bad way. He's lost. Yeah, well, they made it and, seem like he was stranded yeah. on that island for who knows how long. Yeah, and so these cheese puffs, and so he wakes up, he finds the cheese puffs, and... This the scene when he opens them, he's like, oh, oh, 
and there there's so much in his face and that that scene is just like it so perfectly captures the this feeling of like oh my god my salvation yeah i'm saved by this bag of cheese puffs right when's the last time that he ate yeah right? the, the way he acts it is incredible once again paul dano i mean there is nothing where he shows up that i don't love yeah i'm in agreement there He's i think really oftentimes good. he plays like kind of character roles or he will play smaller roles yeah um but i i mean i think he is just one of my favorite people to see show up in a movie yeah not, not a not really a leading man usually not usually um, but i i think he certainly has the talent for it yeah he he can act for sure he does a lot of really good like understated uh kind of like emotions and stuff like that mm -hmm. I, I think he's great at that um, but yeah cheese puffs that's cheese what puffs. i wrote in my notes cheese puffs <laughs> exclamation <laughs> and that's kind of this moment where he's like this this dead body just saved me somehow yeah yeah i think he puts this thing together like this is my this could be my salvation like, like it's good luck or you know it's fate whatever it is yeah and so he decides so when he wakes up he realizes that he's not on the island anymore and instead the he's like on a forest or at a forest he just happens to be at the shore yeah and so he's thinking this is it i've I'm, i can find civilization now and then he decides to take the take the corpse with him yeah because he's like you saved me yeah what a weird thing and and while he's kind of walking and talking to it um he's like i'm gonna be so buff when <laughs> when they <laughs> when they find us i'm gonna be so buff from carrying you <laughs> there i i don't know man there are just there's some conflicting things because i would i would go i really like this part and then they would get to a scene where they they get to a cave and hide there for the night for shelter and it's raining and paul dana's character hank is is trying to um scavenge water and stick it in this cup from trash that he found and he's trying to funnel the rainwater in to get that cup and he ends up falling asleep and the corpse was laying there with its mouth open open because it's a corpse and water was just dripping in its mouth overnight. Yeah. 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 And so then he wakes up and a raccoon is like trying to, is biting away at the lip of the corpse. Yeah. Just trying to eat it. And he's like, please let me eat you. And he just jumps at the <laughs> yeah, raccoon. He tries to grab the raccoon, yeah. yeah. But of course he doesn't catch it because it's a wild animal. It's way faster than he is. Realizes that there's no water in his cup. He might have knocked it over or something like that. Then... He, Daniel Radcliffe's corpse kind of slides and falls over, and when he falls over, the water starts pouring, literally like pouring out of his mouth. So he holds him up. He's freaking out. He starts, like, pushing on his chest, and water just starts coming out like a fountain out of his mouth. <laughs> so much, <laughs> like Hank, a spigot. And Hank grabs his cup and grabs all the water and then drinks it. He's like, oh, this is gross. This is gross. But then he drinks it. He's like, I need more, and he just keeps doing it. And the whole time... The uh, Manny's uh, dead body, when he presses on him and the water comes out, it's not like it just, like, pours out. He's like, oh, <laughs> and his body's shaking, and the water is just spewing out. Yeah, it, it's like violently throwing up, and it's all liquid. That's that's essentially what it is. Yeah, it's all this water that he had collected in his body. It's really gross. It's when he, very gross. When he started yeah. drinking that, I go, I don't know if I could do that. 
And also, I don't know if that's sanitary because he's decomposing, right? Like, and then, and then my brain was like, well, maybe it doesn't go that far down. Like, it's not going into his stomach. Maybe I don't know because he's not he's not using any muscles to actually swallow the water. Yeah. But there's an unnatural amount of water coming out of it. <laughs> yeah, it's fucked up. Yeah, it's real bad. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of like the big turn because then because at this point he's been like talking to the corpse because I think he feels like responsible for it. He found this body and it kind of saved him in some way. So he feels like responsible for it. But at this point he's like, I might have to he's like, I'm sorry. He's talking to the body. Mm -hmm. You know, once again, you got to kind of cast away talking to Wilson situation where he's just dragging this dead body along. He's been talking to it, but now it saved him twice. It brought him cheese puffs and it now it gave him water. And he's like, I think I'm going to have to leave you here. But then the body starts talking and it's real minor at first. Like he starts kind of like grunting. Yeah. And just saying like like a word or two here or there. Yeah, and he so he starts like pushing his stomach and chest in cuz he runs out of water. Oh yeah, right? yeah. And so when he lets go, air starts to fill the body back up. And he he pushes in again and he's kind of wheezing, but that wheezing kind of sounds like a high. Like the word hello, high. Mm-hmm. And so Paul Dano real sweetly just looks at him and he goes Hi. Like like he's finally talking to me. Hi. Yeah. A little bit excited. And I think that he kind of wheezes that his name is Manny. Yeah, he starts talking and uh at this point he's now <laughs> this dead body is now talking back. Like it and it's like you can tell he's like struggling. Yeah. What am I? Like Yeah, it's it's it actually that was a part that I chuckled at because he wanted him to talk and then he, he at the same time he's like this is a dead body i don't I, i'm going nuts and then and then he does speak manny does talk and paul dana just goes <gasps> punches him right in oh the face yeah that's right and just runs away and he's like why did you punch me why <laughs> did you punch me in the face and yeah, so when Daniel Radcliffe does start talking, it's very, very simple dialect. Um, not long sentences. Yeah, it's almost like Frankenstein talk. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so, of course, because that happens, he decides to take him with him. Now he's carrying this body. And weirdly enough, he starts just asking questions about what he is. Um, kind of they're they're traveling a little bit more. And now... Hank is kind of rejuvenated with this thought that they can find civilization because they're on this new landmass and they're finding trash and they're kind of picking trash up and stuff like that. Yeah. So, yeah, he's still lost, but he's like, I think we can find. And during this whole time, he's now carrying this, you know, dead body around and the body's talking to him. It's coming to life and it's like asking questions and he's trying to remind it of its life. It's trying to talk to it and it's it's asking questions. They find like an old like Playboy or a Sports Illustrated yeah. swimsuit magazine, right? And he's like, Hank, what is that? <laughs> and he's like, That's that's women, Manny. Yeah. He's, he's like, I like that or something. He's like obsessed with it. Yeah. He starts kind of giving him this uh romanticized thing about 
like what what women are and and then it gets weird again like yeah it, he talk yeah he's telling him about love that's how it starts he's like well that's those are girls and you fall in love with them and it's he's like what is love and he's like well that's when you find somebody uh who you want to spend who you like spending time with and you want to spend every day with them forever yeah it is very um this very sweet uh kind of description of what love is supposed to be mm-hmm. and then you know and once again they're looking at the sports illustrated and he's like and so what you can do is you look at this he's showing him a picture of one of these girls and it's like you you know what would love be like with her maybe her name's jessica and you guys talk every day and you come home and as he's like kind of describing making up this fictional life with yeah with this imagined woman from the sports illustrated you know he's telling uh manny's character about you you guys were in love and you kissed and and she would be there every day when you got home and that's that's happening <laughs> his boner comes to life manny's boner comes to life yeah the corpse's boner comes to life Yep. And starts moving around like a joystick. Yep, it just starts vroom, vroom, like from one side to the other. So weird. And it's so funny because he's like, wait, whoa, what is that? What's going on? <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. And then he comes to the realization that you use the boner as a compass and that's pointing in the direction that they need to go. That's what that's what he figures out from this whole thing. Yeah. And so now the corpse has provided him a way off of an island. It has given him water when he needs it. And now it's telling him the direction that he needs to go. And also part of the reason that we kind of missed a pretty huge plot point is that not only when Manny washed up, you know, he kind of saved him, he used him as a jet ski. and <laughs> But also he had a cell phone. Oh, yeah. A cell phone washed up with him. Yep. So he has that cell phone and only has like maybe like 10% battery life or 5%, something like that. Yeah. And so he keeps turning it on periodically looking for service. Am I close enough to civilization to get service, to call for help? Mm-hmm. And there's a picture of a girl on the phone. So now the thing with the whole, the whole thing with the boner happens. He shows Manny a picture of the girl on the phone. And says, this was somebody you knew. This was your girlfriend, likely. You were in love with her. And so essentially, the boners become like the compass. This is how you get back to her. (laughs) Yeah. So I believe the name was Sarah. That's what it eventually becomes, yeah. Yeah, but... but, Because he keeps talking to him and keeps being like, do you remember her? Yeah, and they start doing some weird things. Because Manny doesn't remember her. So what they decide to do is to kind of reenact that image so paul dana finds a whole bunch of trash and kind of recreates a a bus and finds some way to like use the trash as articles of clothing and also fake long hair and tries to reimagine the image in real life so that Daniel Radcliffe's character, Manny, can look at it and then start to remember who the person is. Yeah, because every day and everything they do, Manny's character starts remembering more and more about what what he was like being alive. Yeah. So Hank's character is essentially helping him remember what it's like to be alive. So yeah. They build this whole fake bus out of garbage and trees. What a weird... And, and this scene is awesome because 
this is why the movie is called Swiss Army Man, because at this point, he starts using Manny's body as different tools. Yeah. And before this scene, they almost got attacked by a bear. They fell down a bunch of, uh, fell down a big hill, and he figured out he could use Manny's body as essentially like a grappling hook. Like basically <laughs> yeah. the, the, the batarang. It's, it's comical to, to the degree that they're using him. Yeah, he takes a stick, ties a rope to it, puts it down his throat, and punches him in the chest or something, and it shoots out of his chest yeah. <laughs> like a harpoon. And then he uses him to help build all the stuff. He's using his head as a hammer. Yeah. Yeah. He even um he even uses his body to shave himself. That's right. Yeah, he uses his teeth uses as a razor. His teeth as a razor. So weird. The interesting thing about it to me is that through this through this kind of rapport that they're going back and forth, Manny just continues to ask questions. Really base questions like what is being alive what is uh what is love it's it's things that you would ask as a i don't know as a like a child basically yeah Yeah, somebody's kind of rediscovering life and also you get so much insight into the character of hank as well because a lot of times manny will be like or hank will be like yeah well you know i'm excited to show people but you can't fart in front of them yeah. And he's like, why not? He's like, because they'll think you're weird. And he's like, what's being weird? You know, if you do stuff that's weird, then people don't want to be your friends or talk to you. They think you're different than them. Mm-hmm. Or the part where he gets a boner. He's talking about, um, you know, they discuss masturbation. Yeah. And uh, at this point, you find out that Hank's character, his mother died, uh, like when he was like 11. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so basically they they were talking about like sex and what that is. And yeah. and um Manny's like that sounds fun. Can you do that just like by yourself? Oh yeah. And and he's like, "Yeah, that's basically what masturbation is." And he's like, "Well, that sounds fun." And then Hank goes, "We shouldn't you don't talk about this stuff. You don't talk about this with other people. You don't talk about masturbating with other people." And he's like, "Well, why? Cuz it sounds fun." And he goes, "Yeah, but we just don't talk about it." Because I remember that there, when my dad found me doing it, he basically – so this is a horrible thing to tell to a child. But his dad tells him uh, when he sees his son masturbating that each time that he masturbates, it basically speeds up his life a little bit. Oh, yeah. So and the more he masturbates, the sooner the he's going to die. he's going to die. And so with that, he became really afraid of masturbating. And, and he – was really sad about it and then his mom noticed that he was sad and afraid of it, of something and so she talked to him and he said what she had said and he said you know this is kind of weird she has a really weird sense of humor but she said i should masturbate a lot so that i age really quick and catch up with her and then we can both die at the same time oh yeah that's right and he said my mom had a really weird sense of humor like that but then she ended up dying anyway. Like, yeah, he's like, I couldn't have masturbated enough yeah. times and fast enough to catch up because she died very soon after that. Yeah. So And so now every time he masturbates, he thinks about his mom. Which, of course, is awful. Yeah, it's right? horrible. Imagine it, trying to get your rocks off and yeah. your mom shows up in your brain. And then Manny's like, <laughs> and then Manny's like, why can't you tell that to people? And it's, that's when he's like, that. then people think you're weird. And, 
and nobody wants to talk to you and everybody makes fun of you. So through the exposition between the two of them, Manny will ask these questions and you will find out kind of that Hank's a bit of a loner and that he feels alienated from his father and that he feels alienated from other people through his answers to Manny because he doesn't want Manny to be weird. He doesn't want him to fart in front of people. He doesn't want to talk about masturbation or sex with people. You know, he has this really strict idea and view of what it means to be normal. And clearly Hank does not see himself as normal. So you kind of get a lot of insight into his hangups through his conversations with Manny. Yeah, I don't think that those are just his hangups, though. Because all of those—I mean, everything that he's telling Manny— is kind of true like yeah you know you don't you don't fart in front of people right that's general proper etiquette or you you for the most part you don't really talk about masturbating yeah with with people yeah no you just do it on podcast with your with your bud (laughs) (laughs) for the whole world (laughs) but you know these are kind of cultural taboos and Uh and they don't make sense to manny because He's basically just, they almost treat it as like he's being reborn because he doesn't remember anything about who he was. Yeah, he's discovering the world and everything. Yeah. So he doesn't recognize why these things are cultural taboos if everybody does it. Or if everybody farts, then why do we hide farts? Like if everybody masturbates, then why do we hide masturbating? Like why don't we talk about it? And they bring up valid questions as far as society and, and that type of stuff. Maybe some of it we should talk about more. Yeah. Um, but I, but you can tell that Hank is very embarrassed and for sure does not want to be viewed as a weird person. And he's he's dealing with a lot of stuff anyway because the movie starts with him attempting to kill himself. Yeah. So you can see that he's very reclused back and he's like, well, no, you don't do this. You don't do this. You don't do this. And there's a point where Manny's like, why are we trying to get back to this place? It doesn't sound fun. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, so through their relationship, though, you know, Hank is really starting to, it It seems like, once again, through all the dialogue and exposition, you can tell Hank doesn't really have friends, and he doesn't seem like a really happy person. So it kind of seems like Manny is his first real friend. Yeah. If, if I had to describe Hank, I would say he kind of seems like the stereotypical incel. He he's definitely where he seems like just a loner and kind of a little bit of a quote unquote weird guy. Yeah, he's a wallflower for sure. Yeah, uh, even when they're describing the bus and he's sitting down on the bus, uh, on on their uh, air quotes bus, their their trash bus that they make. He said, "What you do on the bus is you sit there and you listen to music, and that's it." Like, you don't talk to people. Yep, and you look out the window. Yeah, and you look out the window. And you don't talk. Why don't you talk to people? Because then people will think you're weird. Yeah. So he's like, well, why don't you talk to the girl? And he said, because she'll think I'm weird. And, and you know, there there's no way that she's not going to think I'm weird, so I'm not going to talk to her. I'm too afraid to talk to her. Yeah. So they put, they put Manny on the bus, and Hank plays the role of the girl in this picture from Manny's phone. And he's like, so imagine you probably came up to her. And he's telling this beautiful like love story of like you went and sat next to her and said, I've been thinking about you many times. And they're kind of like role playing this scenario that Manny has imagined of how or that Hank has imagined of how Manny must have met the girl Sarah on his phone. Yeah. It's kind of it's kind of weird. It's a little bit tough to kind of describe exactly. Um, 
But that's that's it. So in order to get Manny to remember his life, he's like, we're going to set up a scenario. I'm going to play Sarah. And we're going to come up with a scenario of how you guys may have met on this bus and fell in love. Yeah, because at the time, they didn't know Sarah's name. Yeah. Like, like we'll, we'll figure out. Because, again, we're trying to get Manny to remember this stuff and who this woman even is. Mm-hmm. I do enjoy the part where he's like, I can't talk to her. Manny says that. And Hank puts on sunglasses on, yeah. on him. And he's a, he goes, what are these? I can't see as well. And Hank goes, yeah, but you're dark and mysterious now, and women like that. And then, and then they basically have him walk towards, um, you know, walk down the aisle of the bus. But he's, it's like a pulley system that he's just <laughs> yeah. pulled. Like, so his arms are just swinging, and his head is rocking back and forth real hard. It's a wild scene. It's a wild scene. And I think at that point, it really jumped out to me that I really liked the soundtrack. Oh my gosh. Movie. Yeah, we have to talk. So the whole soundtrack of this movie, Hank is once again deserted on, you know, in the woods or on this island. He, he's marooned essentially. He's lost. So the only music he has is like humming to himself and remembering songs. So the whole soundtrack is essentially it'll be him humming. You know, it'll essentially start looping that and adding effects to that, and that becomes the soundtrack. Yeah, it's all acapella stuff. You know, I haven't fully looked into it. I'm going to take a look into that right now. Is I don't know if that's actually them, you know, actually Paul Dano and Daniel Radcliffe doing all the music. Yeah, I'd be curious as far as them doing the vocals. Yeah, that'd be that'd be interesting to hear. Oh, actually, there's not. I can't there's find any anything. information on it, at least not on the wiki. Um I I felt like the movie had a really strange feeling because the content that they often talked about seemed very crude on the surface. Mm-hmm. But the music has a really inspirational feeling to it. Yeah, almost you, this like ethereal yeah. like vibe to it. Have you ever heard there's a Bon Iver song where he's like, I'm up in the woods, I'm down on my mind. Did you say Bone of Air? Bon Iver. Bon Iver? Yeah. Bon Iver? Yeah. His name's Bon Iver? Yeah. It's not Bon <laughs> I th- Iver? I think, it's, I think that's how it's supposed to be pronounced. It's like French. I believe he's from Canada. Don't quote me on that. I'm not certain, but... Bon Iver? That sounds so much classier than Bon Iver. <laughs> yeah. I just call him Bon Iver. That... Yeah, I'm, but pretty I've... Sure, I'm pretty sure it's Bon Iver. Bon Iver. Interesting. It's so French. Bon Iver. Bon Iver. Yeah. Bon Iver. Um, yeah, that's... Uh... <laughs> I have heard that song, The Woods. But yeah, yeah, where it's essentially, it's just one line mm-hmm. repeated over and over again, and he does it in different pitches, and then he adds effects to it, and it just builds and builds. Yeah. This soundtrack feels inspired by that. It it's seems certainly like in it. a similar vibe, where it's mostly, it's them looping, like, this acapella singing, humming and singing of Paul Dano and Ra- Daniel Radcliffe's characters. Yeah. Yeah, and the music just seemed so had a, such a different feel than what the dialogue has. Yeah, and because the dialogue, this movie is very dark. I mean, it's very dark and very emotional at times. Like you die, a lot of this is just kind of like diving into like the depths of Hank's the Hank character, like kind of his like sadness because you know you get the vibe he never says directly but you kind of get the vibe that 
the reason he's off in the middle of nowhere and kind of lost is because he decided to leave. Yeah. He didn't want to be around people. They never come out and say directly everything that happened, but you pick up context clues that once again, he was a loner and he was upset. So it seems like he just kind of left everybody. He was like, I'm going to go off into the woods and then ended up getting lost. And now he's stuck in the woods. Yeah. Something too that, that I think is interesting and we can talk about this a little bit more as, as it progresses. Daniel Radcliffe's character, Manny, becomes more and more articulate as the movie goes on. Yeah. He starts very Frankensteinish, but it reaches a point where he's talking like a normal person mm -hmm. at that point. Now, he still can't really do anything physically. He's still just basically talking um, and then being used for various uses of different tools and whatnot, but he's, he's, not, able to, um, he's not able to move at all. But I think that that is in part i feel like more and more of hank is being placed into into manny as the movie progresses yeah because hank opens up more and more as well and the more hank opens up the more human uh manny becomes through it yes we're back to this part where now they're essentially trying to recreate this love that manny had for the girl on his phone sarah and at this point now, it goes into kind of like this montage where, so Manny successfully asks out Sarah on the bus, and now they're kind of dating. And once again, so Sarah is being played by Hank. He's just dressed yeah. up in a dress and a wig, and they're doing date nights, and they're having popcorn, and they invite all their friends over. Which are trash people. Yeah, trash dolls that <laughs> Hank made. And they're basically living this, like, fairy tale romance mm -hmm. in a montage in a montage and it's it gets this part where they almost kiss i'm gonna just come out and say it it's beautiful the montage is beautiful because it's so sweet because they've got this whole music playing in the background and it's this emotional inspirational music and it's our pop 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 yeah. popcorn <laughs> like because they're talking about <laughs> right. popcorn and netflix yeah yeah, it is what, but yeah, they do almost kiss, which is really yeah, weird. Yeah, and then they both kind of get weird about it. Uh-huh. And then the night after that, because they were both drunk, like <laughs> yeah, Manny they found got vodka, drunk. Yeah, right? they got drunk. They found vodka. Manny got drunk as well. Manny and Hank are both drunk. <laughs> and they almost kiss, and they're like, oh, this has gotten too real. And then they, they're like, okay, the next day they're like, we got to go back to trying to find civilization. They're trying to cross this like beam across the river. They fall in because because Hank is just carrying a dead body on his back trying to cross this beam. Yeah. And as they're sinking to the bottom, once again, it's this very like romantic kind of moment where Hank finally, you know, because the whole time he's been struggling between Manny is a burden but he's also my friend and he's also helping me escape. So he's kind of had this duality of like struggling with like, cause Manny's very annoying. He's constantly asking questions. Yep. But in this point, Manny's like floating to the bottom of the, this river. And at that point, Hank kind of realizes how important he is to him. Yeah. And so he swims down to him and kisses him. In this weird where now, so they've been role-playing where Sarah's in love with Manny, but it's kind of become real now. Um, kind of. 
And so he kissed him. And then once again, he realized, oh, so he fills him with air. And once again, just like with the jet ski, yep. he pushes, he, he farts himself to safety. Yeah, they like rocket launch themselves out of the water. Yeah. And then when they get out of the water, they, you know, that night they set up a fire and... You know, at this point, once again, that scene was very romantic, as well as just, it's just kind of sweet. It's weird. It's weird and sweet and romantic all at the same time. Yeah. Uh, this movie does a great job of kind of like commingling all all the emotions. <laughs> it, it really, yeah. Because again, while I'm watching this, I go, you know what? I'm actually kind of liking this movie, like begrudgingly. I'm, watch, I'm liking it. And then he farts out of the water, and I go, why do I enjoy this movie? Yeah. After making out with a dead body yeah. <laughs> that he's presumed, cause the whole, this whole time you're presuming essentially that this must all like, you're not sure is this body actually doing all these magical things? Right. Or is this fully a figment of his, the imagination of a man who's stranded in the woods with very little food and water? Yeah. Yeah. You I- don't really know the whole time what's going on. But one thing that's for sure is he makes out with a dead body underwater, <laughs> and it's very sweet and romantic. But also, he's making out with a dead body. Yeah, it's uh, it's a little, it's a little weird. It's a little weird. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, they get out, they get to safety by farting again. Mm-hmm. Farting saves the day. And then they light up a fire with once again farting. He uses <laughs> he uses the fart to help light a fire. Yeah. So at that point, I think that Hank realizes that the phone is his and not Manny's. Yeah, he goes off to, he's like going to the bathroom and a car passes by, like a highway. And he's like, oh my God, I'm close to civilization. He turns on the phone. And right before that, they there was this um, conversation where Hank was explaining, yeah, me and my dad, we signed up for this system where it'll send an e-message, an e-card on your birthday to your other person. And Automatically. Like, yeah, and he's like, I actually had to sign my dad up to send me an automated birthday <laughs> message on my birthday. It's fucking sad. Yeah, they clearly but, do not get along. But he's like, so even if I died out here, my dad would never know because he'd keep getting those birthday cards because that, that's, I'm guessing, the only real communication they have. That's a real depressing thought. Yeah. He sees that he's close to civilization. He sees the lights. He turns on, quote unquote, Manny's phone, and he's looking through it, and he reads an email, and there is the birthday message from his dad. Mm-hmm. This point, you as the audience are realizing it was Hank's phone all along. Yeah. That girl, Sarah, that was a girl that he saw on the bus, and he kind of starts having these flashes and realizing like, I don't, I genuinely don't know if he knew the whole time or if he didn't, or if he just was convincing himself what it was, but all these memories he was trying to make Manny relive were his memories. Right. And that's kind of an interesting turning point because then he's like, well, I got to tell Manny because he's my friend. So he goes to tell him and he's like, Manny, I got to tell you something. And he goes to tell him, But then Manny's like, I have to tell you something. And again, he's just kind of like sitting there. I don't know if, I don't remember if he's like leaning against a tree, but he's just kind of like propped up. Rock or something. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he, 
he goes, he's like, no, 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 I got to tell you something first. And he starts to tell, tell him. And then I think that they hear a noise and he goes, yeah, I wanted to tell you that a really big raccoon's eating our food. <laughs> it's a bear. It's a freaking bear. <laughs> so he uses Manny's ass as a blowtorch against the bear and they launches them like up into the air mm-hmm. and they land in a tree. Yeah. Well, and right before that, too, he goes to use him as a weapon against the bear. And Manny sees the phone and kind of puts two and two together that it's not his memory. It's Hank's memory. Yeah. So all these memories that Manny has been having are Hank's memories. Yeah. And then Manny stops having the ability to do the things that he has been doing yeah he freaks out he has a moment of crisis yeah uh i don't remember how they enter the tree or how they get into the tree oh yeah he like he tries to use manny's butt as a blowtorch okay but it miss it backfires on him and it shoots him straight up in the air and they land in a tree tree. and then essentially uh hank's character falls out of the tree and starts getting ripped up by the bear yeah and manny's character he realizes, like, like even though it all wasn't real, he's still my friend. And he actually manages to, he starts getting movement back in his body. He falls, he makes himself fall out of the tree. And he starts doing this weird, like, his body's trying to come back to life to stand up. Yeah. And he works his way to the fire and catches himself <laughs> on fire and, like, basically scares the bear off. Yeah, but he, he like falls on the fire, and then I'm pretty sure that he farts on the fire to catapult him towards the bear. Yeah, yeah, correct, yeah. Yeah, so once again— It's just always farting with Yes, yeah, once again, we're farting. <laughs> we're farting. We haven't even talked about all the times that they've farted. We've skipped over many farts. There's it, been a lot of farts, as well as, like, using Manny as a shower, using the water trick, except this time yeah. he uses Manny as a shower. <laughs> it's fucking nuts. <laughs> It's all so gross and funny. Like, I think this is like the epitome of a dark comedy. It's, yeah, this in is the definitely sense a dark that comedy. It's dealing with a lot of really, it's very heavy on the dark. And then the comedy is like slapstick. Com- it's not like understated comedy. It's like slapstick comedy. It's all puke and burps yeah. and farts and playing with this dead body in the way that you shouldn't be playing with a dead body. Yeah. It's lowbrow comedy, 100%. Yeah, juxtaposed next to a story that is very, like, deep and sensitive and heart-wrenching in many cases. Yeah. So, because there's even, there's even a, um, when, there's, when they start talking, when he is being dragged away by the bear, when Hank is being dragged away by the bear, he's like, you know what, I'll just die out here, and then when I die... All shit, because they talk yeah, about that's the whole that's the whole like uh, main uh, crux of the story is he's like uh, I'll die and then I'll shit and yeah. then this bear will eat me and then I'll become its shit yeah because the world is everybody just becomes shit yeah and he goes but there's something kind of nice about that because it's you know I'm gonna kind of live on through shit and then my shit can somehow kind of reach your shit and then. And then our shit's going to be next to each other. <laughs> yeah. And, but this really sweet emotional music is being played in the background. This acapella. Yeah. Like... And the emotion he is expressing is profound and 
and awesome. He's like, look, when I die, we'll just be together. Yeah. And we'll always be friends, and we're all part of everything. It's the circle of life. Right. But the actual dialogue is like, I'll be, I'll <laughs> shit, I'll become shit, you'll become shit, we'll be shit together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we'll be together as shit. And that's kind of beautiful. Yeah. And so, yeah, any, anyway. They survive um, the bear attack. Yeah. They find their way to civilization. Yeah. And it's like, early morning probably yeah at this point and this is where things in my opinion get really interesting yeah because where they find themselves they find themselves in a backyard and whose backyard is it it's the girl sarah and her daughter is out back playing yep and sarah is i didn't realize this until um the actual character sarah came into the movie but it's mary elizabeth winston who played Ramona from Scott Pilgrim? Oh wow, it sure is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw she was also in. Um, she was in Death Proof. The oh yeah, yeah. The Tarantino movie. movie. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, it's her, and I'm like, oh look at that, it's Ramona. Yep. <laughs> Once again, she plays the she plays the girl that you just can't get. So. Uh, Hank is carrying Manny again, and they're reaching civilization, and they're talking about what they're going to do. Um, but at the same time, now Manny is really depressed because he's realizing that none of these memories are his. And they come to... Oh, yeah, and also Hank explained to him, like, look, the girl on the bus, I never talked to her. I was too scared. And you see as he's looking through the phone, like... He basically Facebook stalked. It was a girl from the bus. He secretly snapped a picture of her and then Facebook stalked her for a long time. And set that picture up as his phone background. Yep. And yeah. And so they just happen to find when they come out of the woods that they're in her backyard. Mm-hmm. That's your first kind of red flag. They're like, oh, maybe things weren't, you know, this is when everything in the movie starts unfolding. You realize, oh, nothing was really what you thought it was yeah for sure so they, they come across a girl first like a little kid she she's just like hello like she basically just um interrupts their conversation and they're in their backyard they're in her backyard yeah and she's holding a little toy like a stuffed animal type of thing and then the uh her mom comes out who is sarah and she of course is like uh kid I think the daughter's name is Chrissy. Like Chrissy, like you know, go inside type of thing. Because there's a corpse and somebody who has not showered is very clearly not mentally well in her backyard. <laughs> her backyard. Yeah, backyard. talking to her kid. Yeah, but they told uh, the girl, the little girl, that they were stranded and they needed help. Yeah, and I would like to point out the corpse told the little girl. Yeah, he was talking to her. That's true. Manny really didn't say anything. Or, I'm sorry, Hank didn't really say anything, but Manny, the corpse, had talked to the little girl. So now, once again, you're left with this thing of, like, is that, like, his imagination, or is the corpse actually talking? In any case. Yeah. So she, the daughter, explains all that to Sarah, and Sarah asks, is that true? And they said yes, and uh, she goes, are you okay? And it was a really touching moment in my opinion. Cause Hank just looked down and just shook his head. No, he doesn't say a word to her. Yeah. 
the whole time she's asking the question he's just either shaking or yeah. nodding his answers because he's still too scared to talk to this girl yeah um so she gets him a glass of water doesn't like you know basically just says you know stay there we'll be we'll be back gets him a glass of water calls for help and the next thing that we see the ambulance have shown up and the news is there basically a whole bunch of people are there um that would happen if you found yeah. a corpse Hank's somewhere. dad shows up yeah but the the neat thing with that is that hank's dad doesn't see hank he just sees the he sees the uh the corpse in the bag and the cops come because they've asked him to come identify the body yeah and they said we found this number in the phone and this is another turn because everybody so the news crew is talking to him and these people and now they're calling hank nanny yeah and they're saying oh they found this phone so now you're thinking once again it's a, this other turn that like oh my god was he manny all the time and hank is this imagined person that like you still have no idea what's going on but the police have called hank's father to come identify the body yeah and the police want to talk to manny quote unquote manny paul dano's character hank you know, it, it was a turn they led you to believe, like, wait, what's going on? Wait, was he really Manny? Mm-hmm. But really, he just told the police that he was Manny and that the body he found was a guy named Hank. Yeah. And that that was Hank's phone with pictures. Because once again, they ended up in this girl's backyard. Know, backyard. Yeah. And so the police are looking through the phone and they're like, man, we got some stuff we need to show you. There's all kinds of pictures of you on this guy's phone. Yeah. On who they think is the dead guy. Yeah. And and so she, of course, is kind of spooked by that. And when the news people are like, we're here with Manny and blah, blah, blah. And he goes, no, 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 no. I'm Hank. He like he, it all it all kind of hits him there. He goes, you know what? Like, I can't let Manny just be a corpse that goes to the morgue. Nobody identifies him. He gets put in an unmarked grave like Manny's done too much for me yeah. to just do that. So like- I'm going to speak up. He's like, I'm Hank. That's Manny. And he has powers. He saved me. And the news is just like, what the fuck's going on? And then he <laughs> grabs the body and yeah. runs off with it. Like it's on like a cart being about to be carted away. Yeah. And the police are like, wait, wait, what? You're you're Hank? What's going on? And he's, at this point, he's running into the woods with the body. And they're like, stop. What are you doing? Yeah. And once again, he gets to use Manny one last time. He jumps on him and uses him like a sled to run away. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, he just runs into the woods behind this lady's house. Yep. And so everybody follows him uh, because the the woman and her husband, they're like, what's going on? It's been in their house. And the police and the news reporters and Hank's dad, they're all follow him into the woods. They're like, what's going on? Yeah. And as they're traversing through the woods right behind their house, they find all the stuff. Yeah, the bus. They scene. find the bus, all the stuff that was set up. Yep. And it's it's interesting because at the beginning of the movie, um, Manny is like, oh, what is this stuff? And it's while Hank is picking up trash and he goes, this is trash. And he goes, well, why is it trash? He goes, well, because people don't need it anymore. People don't use it. It's dirty or it's gross or it's used and so that's near the beginning of the film and now you realize that all of the trash 
is probably probably this family's. Yeah. Well, and specifically, there's a book that the woman sees. Oh, she sees yeah. all this stuff, and there's a so they see the people this fake bus that's made. They see all these fake friends made out of trash and she specifically sees a book and then it flashes to the picture she was read that was a book she had in her lap i'm guessing it was like a journal sure um in that picture from the bus at that point you realize you know that's kind of the big reveal to everybody is that he was never lost in the woods no he was living in the woods (laughs) behind the house of this woman who he was obsessed with yeah that he never had the courage to to talk to on the bus. Man. Who it's... was married with a kid happily. There. So, yeah, it's, that becomes the point where you realize, oh, they were never lost. Yeah. He was just in the woods being, he was crazy. And then they make it to the shore where he washed up on. So yeah. none of this, he was never marooned. He was never lost in the woods. <laughs> he just decided to live in the woods and scavenge the trash of this woman. Yeah. It, because he felt so alone and so outcast from everybody else that like he was in love with her, but he could never talk to her. So he just lived back there. Yeah. So he, he basically runs back to the shore, takes Manny and is telling me. And at this point, Manny is back to being a corpse. Manny is no longer alive. He's not talking anymore. Um, and so he's trying to get Manny to kind of talk again. And, and he's saying, I'm not going to let them just drop you off and become just a body you were so much more than that and he's talking and at first it seems like it's just them back on the shore but then it zooms out and you see that it's not just them on the shore Yeah, all the people the husband and wife the news crew the police the dad they're all just standing there behind him watching him talk to this dead body and what he's saying is like he's like i'm sorry it's okay you shouldn't be embarrassed yeah and so as the police, they obviously drag him away. He's like, Manny, do it. Don't be embarrassed. Show them. You have to show them. And yep. then it starts again. He starts farting. These awful, they're shaking his whole body. Well, at first, at first, Hank farts. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> at first, Hank farts. And to... everybody's like, oh, did you just fart? And yeah. he's like, yes. I did. It was me. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's like, it smells so bad. <laughs> so, well, probably because you have been eating garbage for I don't know how long. Drinking water out of a dead body. <laughs> like, Using a dead body as your canteen. <laughs> but yeah, and then he he does. He's like, Manny, show them. And so Manny starts shaking again, getting all rigor mortis starts twitching. And, and farts and blasts off into the sunset in the ocean. Yeah, jet ski style again goes and, into the water. And basically, the dad and the news crew and everybody—they're all watching this and kind of laughing. Right. <laughs> Everybody's kind of laughing. Yeah. Like these small chuckles, and then like, kind of the final scene is it it close ups on Daniel Radcliffe's face as he's farting off into the sunset. Yeah. And he has a big old, he has this huge smile on his face. Yeah. Because one of the things he had forgotten how to do was smile. Yes. Yeah. And But he has the big, huge smile on his face, farting off into the distance. And then it just goes, the end. Yeah. But you do you do see Sarah and she goes, what the fuck? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> what the fuck just happened? Yeah. And it cuts. 
Um, yeah. What the fuck was that, Thor? What did we just watch? <sighs> I think we watched a beautiful movie. Honestly, truly. Because, I mean, the farts are very silly. Mm-hmm. They're very gross. Um, it is a big juxtaposition between dark and comedy. Agreed. I think it hits both real hard. But at its core, it's a very sweet story of friendship. Do you think that and it was... kind of romance, too, in a weird way. It just it deals with all the emotions. Do you think that it was real? Like where where do you think reality was in this in this storyline, and where does where does reality stop in this? Do you think that I think it was all real? You think it was all real? I mean, yeah, it's obviously left open, yeah, and kind of intentionally to make you feel that way. But me, I choose to believe that Manny really did was starting to come back to life. The power of friendship and kindness. Brought him back. Brought him back. Uh, I, okay, so here, here's my thoughts on it. I might really like this movie. Okay. But I don't know how to decipher it. So for me, I don't think that the whole thing was real. Um, or I'll put it this way. If it was, I don't think I would like the movie. Okay. If let's say if Daniel Radcliffe's uh, Manny's corpse was gradually coming to life more and more as the film went on, and like what we saw was surface value, I don't think that I particularly care for it. Okay. However, if it's all metaphorical, like hundred percent metaphorical, I think that I might really like the movie. And with that, because I, I love the idea of having Hank basically deal with all of his inner stuff and he's he's dealing with all of the questions and the issues that he has in life by talking it out essentially with the part of himself that asks those questions it's like he is discussing the things that he hank is playing the role of society in his head mm-hmm. and manny is playing the role of hank just hank where he has all these inhibitions and he wants to do X, Y, and Z. And the whole thing is about not really revealing yourself to society because society doesn't like that. And society will view you as strange and weird. And the more that Hank talks to Manny, the more Manny becomes alive and becomes real and, and actually becomes a human. And I think that metaphorically, that's really, really cool. Yeah. I mean, I think you could say also metaphorically, that's, hank becoming those things and hank dealing with that stuff yeah yeah and and that's that's what i think is is kind of happening but at the same time if that is the case and it is metaphorical on that end then the ending wouldn't be what it is yeah if it's straight metaphorical and so i feel like if the end if that is what it is then i don't really like the ending well and i I, my opinion is i think that the way they ended it was to intentionally make you question was it real or was it not real? I just fucking kind of, hate that. Just kind of a little, just a kind of a little like, because they do a lot of, they're constantly, <sighs> I want to give a shout out. Who was the, who was the writer for this? It was written and directed by Daniel Scheinert. 
Yeah, it's, and it's, Daniel Kwan. Yeah, so it's two guys. They just go by the Daniels. And then the Daniel is another Daniel is one of the stars. Yeah. But in any case, um, it's it seems like that was kind of done intentionally. I got to give them credit because they constantly are messing with your perception of what you think is going on and kind of all these little turns from the whole time you're wondering, is this real? Is that's what's going on? to when you get to the end and he says no i'm because they don't explain to you that he told them he was hank just so that he wouldn't get found out by the police that he's stalking this this woman like even that turn they're just constantly leaving you guessing and kind of questioning could it be this could so i feel like that was for the same reason because maybe he imagined all of that too maybe he just farted (laughs) <laughs> right. maybe he just farted and the police arrested him and, and that none was of that. that happened either who who could say you know yeah. what i mean and that's and i think that i would buy that if if we didn't have sarah going what the fuck they sure like that wasn't yeah. it wasn't a scene where it was um hank in the background and her saying like hank wasn't in there at all and so it was just her and i feel like i feel like that juxtaposition well, is is really really good but I didn't really care for the ending. Maybe it was just a body filled with gas. Maybe the sure. body was just farting. Yeah. So maybe all the other stuff was him. Oh, I, I don't know. I, him projecting. But like I said, they also, the dead body does talk to the girl, but maybe he imagined that yeah. it was Manny talking and it was really him. Who could say? Uh, I, I get why that unsettles you. I, I, I see exactly where you're coming from. Yeah. I, I do think that I like the movie. This is one. It's the journey, not the destination, man. Really. Well, but then metaphorically, it could be the destination <laughs> because because finally, like that's the thing. It's it's so stupid, Thor. It's so dumb <laughs> because the fart, all right, is literally. I can't believe I'm saying this. The fart is what you want to hide and keep away from people. It's it's you not being yourself metaphorically through the entire film. It's this beautiful idea of of hiding your inner self and hiding who you really are uh-huh. to society so that you can fit into society. And then it's just put out there so in such a barbaric and childish way <laughs> that, that it's just a fart. And so the thing ends and it's him releasing the biggest fart of all time and speeding away off into the sunset. And so metaphorically, it could be like, this is Hank finally exposing himself for who he is. He's weird, man. He is weird. And at this point, he's in handcuffs, and it kind of leads you to believe that he's probably getting arrested for stalking and doing some really weird stuff in the back of somebody's yard. Yeah. But... At the same time, that's okay because he's come to accept himself. And that's Manny riding off to the sunset, farting away because he doesn't need Manny anymore. It's just Hank now. And I feel like that's a really powerful thing, as stupid as it is that it's it's <laughs> illustrated through a fart. It's a really cool thing to see in a movie. Yeah. It is insane that they took a very silly concept and were, were able to weave it into this story that's actually very powerful i think oh yeah all right well so, kudos to you the daniels the daniels yeah we're getting a little bit long here so it's it's probably time for ratings all right on a scale of one out of ten farts how many farts <sighs> are you giving this thing oh my gosh 
I'm going to give it a seven, I think, right now. I'm giving it a seven farts out of ten. Okay. It, it could be higher. It could be higher upon further self-reflection. Um, gonna, <laughs> whoa, self-reflection? Here's a slip. Uh, upon <laughs> reflecting more on the film. Because, again, if I come to a conclusion and, and really decide that the movie is this way, then I'll probably like it a lot more. But at the same time, uh, there's stuff in there that makes me that makes me think that it might not be that. And Sure, I get that. Yeah. But I liked it begrudgingly. It's really weird. I feel like if you were to ask me, do you like that movie? I'm going to lie to you about it. I'll be <laughs> like, meh. Or I'll just be like, it sucked. And But in my mind, I'm like, well, actually, there are some things that are probably really enjoyed. Yeah, so, so seven. Seven farts out of ten for me. I think that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I really enjoy this movie. Also, it's not my favorite movie I've ever seen. Certainly not. I think it's I think it's very well done. Once again, I'm between Daniel Radcliffe and Paul Dano. I think I, I really enjoy both of them. I yeah. really enjoy Daniel Radcliffe when he's not being Harry Potter. The performances um, were great in this movie. Everybody you know did I mean? a good I job. Think, I think we discussed this last week, but this was kind of, you know, a couple years after the last Harry Potter came out, and he had started... As soon as those movies ended, he started to get into like kind of dark, weird, independent stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of those were kind of hit or miss. But I would for, agree. For this one, I feel like he played a dead body. So I don't feel like necessarily his acting was hugely on display. And so, you know, because it's kind of like a bit character he's playing. He's doing, ah, ah, you know what I mean? It's not. But for what it was, I think he did an awesome job with it. Yeah. And I think uh, it was just a great, it was a great role that he picked. You know what I mean? So I like the movie a lot. I I think I'd probably be around seven out of 10 as well. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go, folks. Seven out of 10 uh, farts, um, probably long winded farts. (laughs) Very violent, (laughs) long winded (laughs) toots. So what do you guys think? Uh, Hopefully you can still watch it on HBO. Did you guys like the Swiss Army Man? Did you think that it was just as, um, I don't know, did did the scent leave you wanting more, or are you done with this movie? <laughs> <laughs> you know? And what do you think about the ending? Was it all in, in Hank's head? Um, is it all metaphorical, or do you think that Daniel Radcliffe's corpse really did come to life? And, um, you know, how, how much of this is literal and how much is metaphorical? You should let us know. We're you know where Instagram. they can do that? Where? Thor. They can do that on Instagram. I think that's what you're about to say. Sorry, I cut you oh, off. Oh, that's okay. You can do it on Instagram or Facebook at Get Wrecked Podcast, or send us a message directly at Gmail, GetWreckedPod at gmail.com, G-I-T-R-E-C-D-P-O-D at gmail.com. All right, yep. Um, so next week, I've got one of two options. I've got a movie. Both of them are movies. Okay. Um, one of them is a two-parter. Not necessarily because it's a first and second movie, but because way back when we started this, I said there are two movies of mine that may be my favorite movie of all time, but I don't know which one is. I know where this is going. Let's do it. Let's do it? Okay. In that case, uh, I have long had an internal debate on whether The Godfather is one of my favorite movies of all time. It's definitely number one or number two. So I would like you to watch The Godfather. Now, the first one, not The Godfather 2 or 3, just the first one. 
Um, and then the other movie that I, I don't know I love just as much is Last of the Mohicans. So that's going to be my next recommendation to you. All right. If, so if that's the case, we're finally doing it. Yeah, folks, we have talked about this. So I've never seen The Godfather or The Last of the Mohicans, which many people who are, you know, fans of film tell me is blasphemy. So <laughs> the fact that you haven't seen The Godfather is just wild. So me. in any case, yeah. So we're going to watch The Godfather and then The Last of the Mohicans, and we're going to decide once and for all which is better. Yep. Yep. So, uh, and whatever we come to, that's that's what I'm going to stick with. That's what I'm going to say is my number one and number two. It's yep. all going to be based on Thor. Uh, so next week, though, we're not covering the Last of the Mohicans. We're just talking Godfather. Um, so okay. you don't want to do them both in the same episode? I feel like that'd be a lot to cover. Godfather, I've got a lot to say about. Okay. <laughs> all right. And I think you will too. It's just my thoughts. Okay. So next week will be Godfather. Godfather versus Last of the Mohicans, Part One. <laughs> what a good, what a good, yeah. Godfather versus Last of the Mohicans, Part One. Um, yeah. Tune in next week, folks. We're gonna cover the Corleone family. We're gonna cover a very young Al Pacino. We're gonna cover um, one of the last Marlon Brando films. It's a, it's a good one, Thor. It's a mobster movie to end all mobster movies. All right. All right. So until next time, folks. As always. You get wrecked. Stay wrecked. Good night, everybody. (laughs) 